0: All right, going to Smith's Children's Church at this time. A special program we have for the little ones over here with Pastor Rick. Hi. Keep your Bibles open, would we'll please, there to Joshua chapter five. Hi. Not a worry in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that's the way it ought to be. When they get old and adults, they have a lot of worries. <laughs> all right, Joshua chapter 5. We'll continue our study in this book called Joshua. And tonight, I'll look at what is called the Mark of the Covenant. There's an, did you get a handout when you came in, hopefully, from Brother Phil? Yeah. If you didn't, they're all gone. They're all gone. Okay. Two. Anybody need one? Hold oh, your hand up high. All right. Uh, One way. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, Joshua chapter 5. We're going to look at tonight uh, the importance of circumcision, why God did that to the Jews. And we'll look at this is actually a mark of the covenant God made with Israel. God made a covenant with us. What is the mark of the covenant that we have with God in our lives? We'll find out tonight. It's not circumcision. <laughs> but basically, it is spiritual circumcision. We'll look at that tonight. All right. Did you take out your notes, please. Look at this together. Uh, first of all, circumcision was two things for God's people. Letter A, circumcision was the mark of the covenant that God made with Israel. If you'd hold your finger and Joshua go with me now to Genesis chapter 17, Genesis 17, here God is speaking to Abraham, what is called the Abrahamic covenant, and we're going to see the mark of that covenant was circumcision. Genesis chapter 17, the first book of your Bible, Genesis chapter 17, look with me in verse 1, please. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared at Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and talked with God, with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be uh, a father of many nations." Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thou shalt be called Abraham. For, I, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make the nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to the seed after thee. I will give unto thee and to thy seed with thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 9, And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, and thy seed after thee in all generations. This is my covenant, verse 10, which ye shall keep between me and you, and the seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised and ye sh- shall circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, and it, to my circumcision, shall be a token, talking about a sign, a, cov- a, a token of covenant between me and you. So circumcision was a mark, a token, of God's covenant he made with Israel. We saw in verse 11 there, ye shall circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, and it, the circumcision, shall be a token, a mark of the covenant between me and you. The second thing circumcision was to his people. It was necessary for Israel's success in warfare. It was necessary for Israel's success in warfare. They would fight many battles. And circumcision was necessary for their success in battle. Look on the screen there, please. It says, before God would give them victory in war against their enemies, they had to renew their covenant to him. Not a physical cutting of the flesh, but it was symbolic of them renewing their relationship with God. There was a generation one through the wilderness that had never, never been circumcised. Those that came out of Egypt were all circumcised, and the generation that were, that were born in the wilderness, that were not. So to renew that covenant with God, they had to circumcise this new generation that were born in the wilderness after they come out of Egypt. Someone said there can be no victory in battles of our lives unless we are first right with God. And they were, through this circumcision, they were renewing their relationship with God, the covenant he made with them, and to make themselves right with God. hope you write down that phrase there. There can be no victory in battles of our lives unless we are first right with God. Every one of us have battles in our lives, struggles. And if you want to be victorious with them, you need to be right with God in your walk relationship with Him. Number two, number two, we saw the important circumcision. Now, there are two kinds of circumcision. There are two kinds of circumcision. The first one, letter A is physical circumcision, the one most of us are familiar with, physical circumcision. And go back now to Joshua chapter 5, please. Now, I want you to notice the timing of the circumcision. When Joshua did this to the people, this new generation that were born in the wilderness, the timing, look in verse 1 again, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, Heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before, from before the children of Israel until they passed over. Notice here their, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because the children of Israel. Now look in verse 2. What are the first phrase there? At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make the sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel. At what time? When the kings in the area heard what God did, that God parted the rivers, the waters of the Jordan River, how did the people in that land respond? Fearful. They terrified them. If that's the the God of Abraham, the God of Israelites, can do that, it struck, it said, their hearts melted and neither was their spirit anymore. As that time, God said to circumcise this new generation. That was the timing of circumcision was when the nations of the land were filled filled with terror of the Lord's command, uh, of the Lord commanded Joshua to circumcise the sons of Israel. He obeyed even though it must be difficult for him as a military commander to incapacitate the entire army in a hostile environment. He knew once this happened, those men could not be fit for battle until they were healed. But it was a time when the... Uh, The terror fell upon the people in the land, that's when he said circumcise them. The timing of that. Now number two, the reason. The reason for their circumcision. We see in verse four. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise, that all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness. In verse five, now all the people that came out out were circumcised, But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, they had not been circumcised. So there was a generation of men never circumcised. And notice, what was the mark of the covenant they made with God? Circumcision. So those that came out of Egypt were circumcised, but they all died off. So there's a new generation. So to renew this covenant God made with them, this new generation had to be circumcised. The timing, when fear struck all the inhabitants of the land, the reason a generation was born that, that was never circumcised, now the results. What was the results of circumcision? Look in verse 8, please. It said, It came to pass when the, they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp until they were whole. In other words, they were healed from that. In verse 9, and the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off from you. Here's the question. What was the reproach of Egypt? When the people of the new generation were circumcised, and once they were healed, God said, This day have I rolled away the reproach. What was the reproach? The reproach was God was not able to do what he promised. Go with me now to Numbers chapter 14. The reproach he wrote away is that the people of the land said, at least of Egypt, that God was not able to do what he promised. God promised them he would lead them out of Egypt to bring them in the promised land. And people were mocking the God of Israel, saying he was not able to do what he promised. Numbers chapter 14. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the fourth book, in chapter 14. Here we're going to see what the reproach was that God said was uh, removed because of their circumcision. Numbers 14, look in verse 13, please. And Moses said unto the Lord, as God basically said he was going to wipe out the people because of their sin, Moses said, then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that the Lord art among his people. Verse 15. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, verse 16, here it is, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that swore unto him. So the people was saying, basically, God says, step aside, I'm going to sh- wipe out my people. Remember when John, he came down from the Mount Sinai, saw the people worshiping idols, God says, step aside, Moses, I'm going to deal with them. He said, don't do that. If you do this, the people that know why you brought the people out of Egypt saying you're not able to do that. So the reproach was God's not able to do any promise. So what did God promise? That they said he was not able to do it was this. God promised that he would bring them out, that he might bring them in. God promised he would bring them out of Egypt, that he might bring them into the promised land. That was a promise he made. And if he w- killed all of them, people would say God was not able to do what he promised. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7. God said, I will take you for me to be a people And I will be unto you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. He said, I will bring you into a land concerning that which I did swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give you an inheritance. I am the Lord. That's the promise he made. Now, if you would, please, keep your finger on Joshua. Go to Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's the promise again. In a much clearer manner, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the fifth book after Numbers, you got Deuteronomy. In chapter 6, verse 21, here's the promise God made that Moses reminded him if you wipe out your people, then the people of the land who know, know what you promised Israel will say, You're not able to do that. In verse 21, Deuteronomy 6 21, then thou shalt then, excuse me, then. thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Look in verse 23. Here it is. He brought us out from thence. Why? That he might bring us in to give us a land which he sware unto fathers. So the promise was, I will bring you out of the bondage of Egypt, I'll bring you into the, in the promised land. And Moses said, Lord, if you wipe out your people, those who know your promise says you, can't, you didn't do what you promised them. They're not able to do that. So the fact that he did do that, he did keep his promise, he removed the approach that, uh, that was brought upon from Egypt, that brought upon God. So the first kind of circumcision is physical. Let me give you a second one. And don't miss this, please, because this applies to us. The second kind of circumcision is spiritual circumcision. Spiritual circumcision. There are two aspects of this. I hope you write it down. Not physical, but spiritual. The first aspect is what we call positional circumcision. I'll explain that to you. Positional c- circumcision. This is what Christ does to the believer. This is what Jesus Christ does to the believer, when he's saved, Colossians two eleven. Look on the screen here, please. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. What was that? In the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So spiritual circumcision, positional wise, is what Christ did in us when we were saved. Well, look at it in letter B, Jesus, and let it be. Jesus now use the word cut off. The power of the flesh at the moment of salvation. That is spiritual circumcision. He cut off. Physical is cutting off the flesh, Physically. But spiritual, Jesus cuts off the power of the flesh at the moment we are saved. In Romans 6, verse 6. Don't let me lose you. I'm going somewhere with all this. I seem to be kind of yawning, so don't let me lose you. Romans chapter 6. It's on the screen. Look what it says here. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, the old man is our sinful flesh that we were enslaved to before we were saved. Its dominion its dominance over our lives was cut off, destroyed at the moment of salvation. That's spiritual circumcision. The physical cutting off the four flesh. Spiritual, the Lord in salvation cuts off the dominance of our sinful flesh in our lives. We were enslaved to it before we were saved. He gave us freedom, and this dominion uh, dom- dominance over our lives was cut off the moment we were saved. That's positional circumcision. Now look at practical circumcision. The practical side. The practical side of spiritual circumcision Now, the positional is what Christ did in us the moment we're saved. Practical is what we do to ourselves. In Deuteronomy 10, look on the screen there, please. It says this, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskins of your what? Heart, and be no more stiff-necked. This is what we do to ourselves after we're saved. In other words, number one, the believer cuts or puts off the practice of his sinful flesh the believer cuts or puts off the practice of a sinful flesh. When you were saved, God cut off the power of your sinful flesh in salvation. And as a result of that, practically, now we are to put off that sinful flesh in our everyday lives. Look on the screen there, please, in Colossians chapter 3. It says, But now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Why? Seeing that you have put off the old man with his what? Deeds. So the spiritual side of circumcision, positionally, when you were saved, the Lord Jesus cut off the power of your flesh. Before salvation, we're in slavery, enslaved to those sinful flesh. When God saves you, he cut off that bondage that you have to the flesh, doesn't mean the flesh is not still there, but you're no longer enslaved to it. You now have a choice to live for the Lord. And so the positional side, he cut off the power of the flesh. The practical side now is I take that truth and I begin to cut off the practice of sin in my life. The believer cuts off that, and he says here to me, put off all these things that he put off the old man. Now, Roman number three, Roman number three. Let's look at the covenant God made with us. And what was the covenant God made with Abraham? What was the mark of the covenant? Circumcision. And all the generation of uh, the Jews in Egypt were circumcised. And when God delivered them out of Egypt, uh, they wanted the wilderness 40 years. God killed off that generation. And there was a new generation that was not circumcised, told to renew their relationship with God, God commanded Joshua to circumcise all these new generation and that renewed their, their uh, covenant with him. Now, there is a covenant God makes with us. What is that covenant? I'm glad you asked. First of all, write it down. It is an everlasting covenant. This covenant God makes with us today is an everlasting covenant. Go with me to Hebrews 13, please. This is not the Abrahamic covenant. This is a new covenant. This covenant God made with us at Mount Calvary. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. This covenant God makes with us. We saw the covenant God made with Abraham. The mark, the sign was circumcision. Now the covenant God makes with us today as believers It's called an everlasting covenant. Look in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, notice here, through the blood of the what? Everlasting covenant. As a result of that, it says make you perfect. The word perfect means complete or make you what you ought to be as a Christian in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to Him to whom be glory forever and ever. So that's the covenant God makes with us. It was made at Mount Calvary. Now, what's the mark of our covenant? Now, remember, what was the mark of the covenant God made with Abraham? Circumcision. Where's the mark of the covenant God's made with us? I'm glad, yes. <laughs> Go with me now to Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's the mark of the covenant we have with God, an everlasting covenant. Now, this covenant is a visual covenant that people can see in us that we have a covenant with the God of heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. It says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are, what? His, read on, and as a result of that, let every one that nameth the name of Christ do, what? Depart from iniquity. Look in verse 21. Then he says, if a man shall purge himself from these, from what? Iniquity, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master Jews, and prepared unto every good work. In other words, what it's saying here is the believer putting off or purging himself from the deeds of the flesh is the mark of the covenant God has made with us. How do people, what mark do people see in us that we're God's children? The fact that we live holy lives. We depart from iniquity. We purge ourselves from things that are not pleasing to God. That's our mark of covenant, and that is what we call spiritual circumcision. Physical circumcision was the mark of the covenant God made with Israel. Spiritual circumcision is the mark of the covenant God made with us at Mount Calvary. And people can see our covenant with God by us living a life that's pleasing to him and and being perfect in every good way, doing his will. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians, please, as the come forward for the communion, the deacons, that is. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. See how well you listen or how well I taught that. God made a covenant Abraham. What was the mark of that covenant? Physical circumcision. At Mount Calvary, God made a covenant with us. Both covenants were everlasting. The covenant God made with Abraham was an everlasting covenant. The covenant God makes with us at Mount Calvary is everlasting. And what is the mark of our covenant? Spiritual circumcision. And that will we cut off the practice of the deeds of the flesh and purge ourselves from things that are not pleasing to God, departing from iniquity. Interesting how important that deed is when we take communion. Notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in the context here of the Lord's Supper, notice what it said in verse 27. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. It said, whosoever Wherefore, whosoever eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, but let a man examine who? Himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. What it's saying here, when we, this is a very serious time for the child of God. When we approach the Lord's Supper, God says, if we come unworthily, to so the Lord's Supper, that means with sin in our lives, it, it, what it would do is it says in verse 29, if he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The word damnation doesn't mean going to hell. It just means God's judgment. In this time, I hope that you do as Paul is teaching here. Take this very serious. When we approach the Lord's Supper, one thing we should all do, examine ourselves. Make sure there's nothing in our lives that's not pleasing to God. If you partake of tonight's supper with sin and known sin in your life, it brings the chastisement of God upon your life. I don't know about you, that would scare me. I don't want to do anything to cause God to chastise me. And in this case, we're going to see that he, some of them died prematurely for doing that. It's very serious. So I want to encourage I'm going to give you a few moments in just a moment. To search yourself, examine who, yourself, and make sure there's nothing in your life displeasing to God. Let me let me say this: If there's something in your life that's not pleasing to God, and you're not willing to make it right, do not take of the Lord's supper. Do not partake of this. And maybe you have aught with a brother. Maybe you have an aught with a sister. Maybe there's something in your relationship with your spouse that you know is not right, and you're not able to make that right. Then I encourage you. Do not partake of the Lord's Supper. Do not partake of this with something in your life that's not pleasing to God. And so we're going to stop and pause. And I want to encourage you to examine yourself. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, is there something in my life that you're not pleased with? Uh, Is there something in my life that's causing you to grieve because of things I'm doing? If he brings something to your attention, the Bible said if we confess our sin, he's what? He's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. And that cleansing makes you right to partake of the Lord's t- table. So I encourage you, let's be serious about this. Even though it's something we do every month, sometimes it can lose its meaning if it's done so often. But let's pause a moment, and I want you to talk to your Heavenly Father. And if there's something in your life you know is wrong, make it right through confession. If there's something in your life and you say, I don't know anything wrong with my life, ask him. The Holy Spirit is very good about taking his finger and putting on something in your life that's not right with him. If he brings something to your attention, confess it. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I should not have done that. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us. So let's pause for a few moments and silence. I'll give you some time to examine yourself. In a few moments, I will close this part of the service in prayer then we'll partake of the Lord's table. Let's bow together, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that we could approach this scripture with the attitude that's set forth by the Apostle Paul. The seriousness of people coming to the Lord's table with things in their life that's not right with God. And you told us, let a man examine himself, that we come not unworthily to the Lord's table. In this account in scripture, some people have come to the Lord's table with sin in their life, and you judge them, said many are sickly, many are weak, and some are asleep because of that. Many have physically sick and died because of this. This is very serious, Lord. and Help us approach it with that attitude. And if there's things in our life that's not right with you and we're not able, willing to make it right, Lord, may we have the good judgment not to partake of this time. But, Lord, it's your sincere desire for us to have sweet fellowship with you, that nothing in our lives would hinder that time of fellowship with you. So, Father, we pray if there's anything wrong in our lives, you make that clear to us, bring it to our attention, and we will confess it. We will forsake it and we will seek your forgiveness and cleansing, so nothing will be between us and you in the time of fellowship. So Father, cleanse us, make us pure, make us right in our relationship with you, Francis, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please go ahead and take out the little uh, cup that's in your chair in front of you. If you would go ahead and get the little wafer off the bottom there. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, look with me in verse 23, please. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. The apostle Paul said, For I received of the Lord, that which also are delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you so much for this time of remembrance and uh, reflection as we think about what that bread represents, that uh, you were willing to send your son to pay uh, the penalty for each one of our sins and uh, that he was willing to have his body broken and to suffer the humiliation of being killed by his own creation. We thank you so much uh, for that sacrifice that you are willing to make and as we head into this Christmas season where we remember his birth help us to never forget the whole reason of why he came in the first place and keep that in our mind throughout the season we thank you again uh, for that sacrifice in Jesus name Amen thank you very much if you go ahead and open the little juice part This juice represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross. And the Bible says we are to do this in remembrance of him. Look with me in verse 25, please. After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying this cup is the new testament, it means the new covenant in my blood, this do ye as often you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we know your word says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, Lord. We thank you for this time to be able to pause and to take time to remember um, your blood shed on the cross, um, that that we can be saved, Lord. Um, Help us to continually remember that in our daily lives. And uh, Lord, thank you again for this time. We pray in your name.